oh, oh, Mrs. Carter, Mrs. Carter. You're listening to Action Figure Blues, episode 274, for the week of Wednesday, the 24th of May. I'm Eddie, and I'm flying solo tonight as I take you through a toy history of Wonder Woman. Gents, how are we doing? So, welcome back to another episode of Action Figure Blues. Uh, now, the Action Figure Blues team is uh, <laughs> all about uh, at the moment. In fact, uh, we are even more spread out around the globe than we normally are. Uh, so, this is a little bit of a rushed episode, to be honest with you. I had not realised that the week had moved as quickly as it had, and I definitely want to make sure that we get something out to you guys so (laughs) i've put my head together and tried to think of a subject that i could cover quickly and as it generally works out we're probably not going to get through it as quickly as i think we are uh so it is me it is a uh solo eddie episode unfortunately i do not have uh some wonderful people here to back me up but uh hopefully i can uh, keep it entertaining if not i know some marvel legends are flying in thick and fast at the moment so uh we will probably have a classic episode uh where we get a bunch of us on to talk about those uh very shortly so don't worry you're not in for a full run of eddie solo episodes but uh for the sake of getting something out to you here we are And I decided for tonight's topic, uh, I want to talk about Wonder Woman. Now, I I do like to be (laughs) current and have a bit of a theme uh, that people might be looking for uh, to discuss, but I also like touching on some old toy history too. So it was actually coming down between this and a look at the Zizzle Pirates of the Caribbean action figure line, which I did get a little bit into, but a lot of my Zizzle Pirates stuff is uh, kept away, (laughs) and I do want to get it out. And I have actually been uh, hunting down a few of the rarer figures of that line on eBay recently, so uh, as much as I wanted to cover that, uh, and that could have been a good filler for tonight, I kind of want to hold off... Uh, on that, because I might have more to talk about there in the future. Uh, and that was planned, uh, an idea anyway, that I was having when I was quickly throwing ideas together for tonight uh, because of the new Pirates movie. So when I decided to push that back, 
oh, well, what's the next big movie release? And realise that we haven't really done too much on uh, Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, one of the trinity of DC. Now, of course, we've done a lot of talking about Superman and Batman over the years, and we have covered uh, Wonder Woman periodically uh, before, but uh, I don't think she's ever had... A really in-depth retrospective so uh, what better time is there uh, to jump in with her uh, right here and now so for those that don't know where you've been Wonder Woman is the iconic uh, female superhero but she is uh, just a great superhero character uh, as she stands, uh, first appeared in All Star Comics number eight back in 1940. Uh, Wonder Woman began her life as a child, uh, sculpted by clay by the Amazon Queen Hippolyta. And then when Steve Trevor came crashing down onto the island, that brought her out across into Man's World. Now, that's just a very brief summary of a character that's had a lot of reworks with her origin. It seems to be the thing for creators when they come on a Wonder Woman book uh, is to go back and completely change her origin, whether she's going to be the uh, son of Zeus or uh, whether Etta Candy is going to be Rebel Wilson as uh, Grant Morris. Did uh, there's all sorts of stuff uh, out there in different Wonder Woman origins, but the classic look of that sort of star-spangled uh, bathing suit uh, with the tiara and bracelets remain the same. And she also has possibly the most fascinating create creator, uh, William Marsden. If you go and search him. He's not only the creator of Wonder Woman, but he's one of the creators of the Lie Detector, which when you think about Diana's uh, Lasso of Truth, uh, he's kind of a a very interesting thing. He uh, definitely came from a psychology background. And he was polyamorous before that was even really a thing. He lived with his wife and his mistress together. And it's actually considered that his mistress... uh, played a big part in who Wonder Woman ended up becoming. She did wear metal bracelets on her hand, and that was considered to be part of the inspiration. But there have been many great documentaries and books written on this subject, and I'm not going to be able to do it too much justice as we're talking here. So let's cover into the area that... I'm going to say, I know, some of you might disagree, uh, but at least I feel like I have a little bit of knowledge. Uh, And we're going to start off in my rougher territory, as uh, good old engineer nerd is fun at pointing out the vintage era of action figures. So I'm a very much action figure guy, so we're going to focus on the action figures, but just up front, there have been some wonderful statues and other pieces, models on Wonder Woman, uh, even down to a great San Diego Comic-Con exclusive that was her Hot Wheels invisible jet that was just an empty packet. But we're going to stick to the action figure side of things tonight. So kicking off, her first action figure came out in 1975 from Mego, and it was in their comic book Heroes basic figure line. So this wasn't their 
kind of doll version with the realistic clothing. These were those weird, tiny squat. They almost look like articulated uh, soldier, like the green soldier kind of guys. They had really basic paint. Uh, you basically just had red, yellow, and a flesh color uh, running through it. But uh, a interesting toy there. We're definitely going to see some uh, improvement over here on that one. Uh, of course, speaking of which, probably the most famous of the early time uh, Wonder Woman figures is her classic Mego uh, that actually had flesh-coloured sleeve arms, which I always find funny, and realistic doll-like hair. But uh, this was probably the first Wonder Woman uh, toy for a lot of collectors out there. Uh, of course, a great part, uh, Super Friends being big around the time, uh, definitely would have wound up there in mini collections. So probably the most iconic Wonder Woman figure of this era. Now, you did also have Mego doing their weird little pocket superheroes. So she got one of them uh, coming out in uh, the very early uh, 80s, before the DC line swapped over to Kenner, and we have one of the most famous superhero action figure lines of all time, which is Superpowers. And of course, you have that uh, wonderful uh, iconic card, the blue with the yellow stripe, the broken up stars. Now, the thing I really like about this Superpowers card and uh, Wonder Woman on the art is that the Superpowers card really fit Wonder Woman, that sort of bright yellow and blue and stars all over it. It almost felt like they had made the Superpowers line for Wonder Woman and then the rest of the characters had to fit in around. It wasn't really a Batman card, uh, but it worked really well with Wonder Woman. And I always think of that when I see the Superpowers card uh, is I think of... Uh, Wonder Woman there, so a really fantastic piece. Uh, she comes with those sort of clinkable wristbands as her action uh, there. Now, I never owned this, but I believed it was from squeezing her leg together. You got that to perform, but a uh, really fantastic piece and probably one of the other iconic figures when it comes to Wonder Woman in this kind of early vintage age through here now there was a pvc figure released in spain which is kind of this weird ugly one uh, <laughs> i originally thought it might have been one of these weird variants of superpowers that turned up but uh it was not it was just something i found through here on my list so uh spain was apparently doing pcv uh figures of dc characters uh in the 90s there uh so be careful when searching superpowers because uh it's very much not a nice looking piece uh so after Kenner, the DC line actually went to Toy Biz. Now, you might go, Toy Biz, that's a Marvel company, and they definitely established a name uh, with Marvel. But in 1990, they were hitting out uh, DC figures. Now, a lot of them were just sort of repeats of the superpower moulds being reused again. Now, Wonder Woman, I don't believe was a uh, reuse of the Superpowers version. Now, I could 
be wrong on that. It looks to me like she has different arms, but once again, I didn't own either of these. Uh, now, these guys come on even what I used to think of as a kid as some of the most horrendous uh, card back, which is this weird, like, off-gold colour uh, on the background with Superhero in big writing. Now, I, I never really own any of these figures, but I do remember... I've got some early memories of seeing these on the shelves in, like, Kmart when we used to go on, like, holidays to Jolong and that. But they would only ever have characters like the Penguin and Lex Luthor, and that was it. I could never find any of the superheroes. It was just sort of the peg warmers uh, of the time. So um, it it's not a line I'm overly familiar with. I've never really heard too many collectors speak fondly about this era except for the sort of 89 uh, movie stuff that kind of sprang from here and even then I think that might have even been Kenner and then these guys just picked it up the year later but I could be wrong there but yeah very very weird line that got uh, lost to history and speaking of getting lost to history this is also a time period where Wonder Woman disappeared for a bit. So uh, comics in the early 90s were huge and there were lots of different things going on. Uh, Superman was killed off, Batman was replaced uh, and Wonder Woman got replaced by Artemis and came back in sort of this black leather look coming uh, very 90s and extreme. Uh, But uh, she didn't get much love in the action figure form at this time. It wasn't until uh, DC Direct came into fruition uh, there in the late 90s, uh, and the coding I have is 98, but uh, I don't remember seeing these guys hitting until 99, so if it was 98, it was probably late 98, but DC took it upon themselves to start doing their own action figures. DC Direct would later become, uh, as we know them today, DC Collectibles, and he's going to be responsible for a large amount of these Wonder Woman figures. And the idea behind DC Direct, uh, even very early on, was about getting action figures into collectors' hands that weren't necessarily getting the love at retail. So, as hard as it is to believe to what they ended up doing later on, uh, very early DC Direct had very little Superman and Batman. They focused on other characters. And one of the first characters that they focused on was Wonder Woman. Uh, It's a very basic figure, uh, but it's still probably one of the best and more comic-accurate ones uh, that we've gotten today. It's her in that sort of classic red and blue and star-spangled bathing suit. She comes with her sort of almost now classic in toys more than it is in the comics, but her sort of eagle axe and a shield. And you know what, for 1998, this is a very nice figure. They definitely uh, were getting off on the right foot there. Now, another figure came out in 1998 that I was completely unaware existed. And in part of talking about this dark period for Wonder Woman in the 90s in terms of action figures, I was going to mention that there was a very successful uh, JLA line based on the Justice League that had spun out of... Uh, a video game toy line, Total Justice, uh, which was a fighting DC game uh, that never really took off. It got uh, bad reviews from as far as I can understand. 
And uh, it it seems like a weird thing now to be talking about a DC game where the characters fight each other like uh, Mortal Kombat and that being a bad thing that people really didn't want to talk about uh, and something you probably don't want to base action figures on. But we're living in a world where Injustice 2 just got released to rave reviews. So uh, things have completely changed since the 90s. Uh, But... You did have this uh, Kenner line. It was very similar to the way Kenner used to do these figures uh, back in the day. So, like, the Aliens line, the Jurassic Park line. Uh, these were all kind of this... I, I sort of used to know them mostly for their eyes being a bit of paintwork of a line on top and then a dot in the middle. Uh, and then some very similar in the way they were sculpted. Generally, just five points of articulation, usually in a little bit of a pose. And I, for the longest time, thought that they'd just skipped over uh, Wonder Woman, even though they actually went deep with some of the characters they ended up doing, like uh, Parallax and... uh, I'm blanking on his name now, but the angel replacement for Hawkman. uh, Azazreal? Not Azreal. I think there was an Aztec in there. It was very much based on the Grant Morrison uh, JLA, but... Yeah, I do not remember seeing a Wonder Woman release, but she did apparently get a release when the line changed to uh, JLA later on. So there you go. If you are a collector of that line and you missed it like me, uh, there is one to track down for Diana Prince and complete your Major 7 there from uh, the Grant Morrison error. Uh, It did take her a couple of years again. It wasn't until 2000 before Diana hit the stands. Uh, And once again, we are back with DC Direct and they did a figure based on her Golden Age appearance. So it's how she originally looked in the comics back in the 1940s. So uh, it was more part of a Justice Society of America uh, line, which unfortunately... As much as there was some great uh, feminism works with Wonder Woman being done over in her main title under Marsden, uh, and even then there's some weird stuff going on there. Uh, Once again, see the documentaries and uh, read a lot of the articles and books based on that because uh, it definitely depends on the perspective where you come from, whether that uh, is a feminist work or not. Uh, But over in Justice Society of America, this was very much a boys' club and written as a boys' club. So even though Wonder Woman was a part of the Justice Society, she was pretty much relegated to being their secretary. So that's why she generally isn't too prominent on any of the covers uh, going on there in the 1940s Justice Society. But uh, they did grant her a figure all the years, years later in 2000. Uh, And it is a very nice figure. Once again, DC Direct were doing really great work here. Uh, considering it's 2000, like we're just coming out of all those 90 sculpts, we're not even in the Marvel Legends uh, era yet. There, they are hitting the ground uh, fairly nicely. So, uh, it is a nice figure, but I think they did a better job with one we'll come to later on. Now, there were a whole bunch of DC Direct were doing these pocket heroes, so you had some pieces there with uh, Wonder Woman and Cheetah and. Uh, Justice League set, but uh, I won't go into too much details. Those are kind of the deformed things. And particularly with DC Direct, I might skip over once we start seeing 
repeated ideas or those little niche stuffs as it really begins to bloom. Uh, but another great piece from this early 2000s era was a Silver Age box set of Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl. Uh, and that's sort of your Donna Troy in her sort of classic red leotard jumpsuit and they were doing a lot of these great silver age box sets and they come on this big uh, star step stand and really nice piece so i tend to see this one far less than some of the other silver age ones so uh, i haven't really looked into it but i think it's a little bit rarer than say the superman and lois or uh, batman ones but uh, definitely a a cool piece going on there After that, we got into an era where DC Direct were really doing figures uh, based on thematic stories, and Wonder Woman played a part in a story called Kingdom Come, which is actually one of my favourite comic books. I do love it. It's probably no surprise there. It's going to be on a lot of people's lists. Uh, It is predominantly a Superman story, but the Trinity do play a very big part especially Diana. I'm not going to give it away. If you haven't read it, go to your local comic store, pick it up. It still holds up today. I mean, it's Alex Ross artwork. It's fantastic. And this Kingdom Come toy line was really the first time we are seeing toys based on that Alex Ross artwork, and it is wonderful. So we have a main Wonder Woman there. We have uh, one in her armoured look, And there was one also exclusive to Toy Fair that comes with more accessories, but she also appears to be a little bit younger, but uh, some really cool uh, Wonder Woman pieces here. Now, unfortunately for me, Alex Ross's um, Wonder Woman is generally portrayed a little bit older than I think of her as being. Uh, Now, that's not too bad with the Kingdom Come line because the characters are in uh, the later years of their life. I was going to say Golden Age, but that might get confusing. Uh, So they are a bit older uh, as portrayed in Kingdom Come, but uh, it does come across in this figure. She does look like she's in her 60s more than she actually did in the book. In the book, she seemed not to have really aged too much, but uh, put a bookmark in that because I'll come back to that a, uh, a little bit later. We also had, speaking of these themed DC Direct sets, you had a set based on the Super Friends cartoon. So, uh, very much taken from the cartoon uh, design. So, she's got those flips on the end of her hair uh, there, and that's a very dated look. Uh, she came comes with the comic version of Chitar, uh, looking uh, fantastic and like she's just stepped out of the League of Doom and even carrying a little money bag with a dollar sign, which I would just love to find out banks actually have those. And you also get a model of the Invisible Jet included in there, which is very nice and very cool. Now, also coming into uh, this 
early mid 2000s era you had the launch of the bruce tim justice league cartoon uh so this is where i'm probably going to start skipping some wonder woman figures because there was just a deluge of figures done for the justice league animated cartoon and a lot of them are just repeats they would do three packs and there'd be one new figure and then two of the same and wonder woman being part of the main seven did get included uh, in this a lot. But they are some really cool figures, and look, this might be a basis of a discussion at some point in the future. So I won't go fully into uh, these ones here, Uh, but uh, they are very famous figures. You would have seen them around pretty much any comic store, I think, still has them in. They're kind of that uh, three-and-three-quarter size, maybe just slightly bigger, uh, really heavy Bruce Tim design, five points of articulation, and Bruce Tim is very comic accurate, so it is very much that uh, classic Diana look. They did do a couple of variations. There were some where she had her red sleeves painted on, some that included her sort of blue and uh, white cape. There were the Justice Lord variants, which were kind of the Earth 3 uh, versions of uh, the character, which, uh, speaking of which, you might notice that uh, I haven't covered any of the Earth 3 uh, Superwoman uh, figures on here, even though there had been some at this point, but a uh, little bit of weird, geeky continuity nitpicking. That character is actually Lois Lane, so uh, that's just something to. Uh, to keep in mind and why I didn't fall down the deluge of researching that. Uh, But it is Diana with the Justice Lord. So uh, they did do a a version of her uh, there. Now, DC Direct were still building with popularity and they were finding that some of their old figures were going up for a fair bit of money. So they started re-releasing some figures under Reactivated, Uh, which they did with the uh, Golden Age Wonder Woman. Now, on a lot of them, they did fix the head sculpt. I can't tell from just looking at these pictures online, uh, but it does appear to me that they've got the same one, but I could be wrong uh, there. I know for Lobo, they definitely uh, did a completely different head sculpt on him. Uh, You did also get, uh, very shortly after, a, a first appearance uh, release another uh, Justice League uh, release that was based off the uh, current uh, book at the time. You also had one based on Ed McGuinness artwork, which I really love because, hey, Ed McGuinness is my boy. He's from that Joe Kelly run of Deadpool. Just anything Ed McGuinness, I am going to eat up and love. Uh, now, you also, coming around to 2006, we had a Alex Ross uh, Justice League series going on, and this is where we get a Diana figure that I'm really not a fan of, because she just looks really old, and I don't mean to be ageist in anything like that. I love a good, grisly, old man or lady head sculpt. I'm dying uh, for a granny goodness, but... Uh, for a mainstream Wonder Woman figure, it just just doesn't 
come across uh, too well for me. And I remember uh, always looking at that and just thinking like, no, like I know Alex Ross has real people that he bases his artwork off of, uh, but uh, he might need to find someone slightly younger for Wonder Woman. I feel bad saying it. I do, but uh, it is a uh, bit of the truth there. But a fantastic figure that came out around this same era, 2006, uh, is the New Frontier Wonder Woman which is based on the late, great Darwin Cook's artwork. And this figure's fantastic. He truly drew her to be Amazonian, and it comes across here uh, in the figure. And if no one has read uh, New Frontier, then once again, uh, drop your stuff, go back to the comic store where you brought Kingdom Come and purchase uh, New Frontier. And if you say, Eddie, look, I'm just not a comic guy, I like figures and I like movies, drop what you're doing, go get the uh, New Frontier animated series film. That's probably one of the best animated DC films they've done. And it's fairly accurate. It's not 100%, but uh, it's one of the closer ones, and she's definitely portrayed well there. So go pick that up, and you'll be able to see what I mean, that they really nail uh, that Amazonian quality to her and that comes across beautifully in the figure and it's just that great retro art design of Darwin Cooks and really stands out as something different there on your toy shelf so I do highly highly recommend that now DC Direct is still chugging along here they're still throwing different themes at the wall you have their Elseworlds line uh, which takes a look at stories uh, taking place in alternate universes than the mainstream DC one of the more popular ones being Red Sun where Superman uh, is found to have Russian ties to be topical Uh, and here we have basically a Russian version of uh, Wonder Woman, and the figure's fairly much a Wonder Woman figure. Uh, it's just you'll notice the colours rather than uh, blues. She's wearing uh, a very matted greys on there, but a not really the main one I think you'd want to grab for that I actually really like the Hell Jordan in that line because he looks like an old school pilot but uh, uh, out of all the characters that got almost complete redesigns she's pretty much the same just for uh, some colour changes and I remember sort of even thinking at the time oh she has a bit to play in the book but might be one that you could have skipped in favour of another character uh, coming out there we do also get another Wonder Woman figure uh, based on the book Amazonia that, to be honest, I really know nothing about. She appears to be very dominatrixy here, uh, so I don't know much about this book. It's not one that's uh, ever stood out much on my reading shelf, uh, and this sort of dominatrix style of Wonder Woman doesn't necessarily appeal me. Uh, to grab it. Now, Wonder Woman does have a bit of history with bondage. Once again, uh, highly recommend uh, those documentaries on her early creation. Uh, But for me, it's not (laughs) overly uh, what I'm looking for when buying a Wonder Woman figure. You also had at this time a big event going on at DC. Uh, 
uh, as we sort of hit 2007. This was 10 years ago. This is I'm talking about a figure that's over a decade old here, but it still feels new. <laughs> it's error for me. Uh, we have Infinite Crisis, and that was getting a line of figures. Uh, and we get a great one of Wonder Woman with her blue cape with the white lining uh, from that series. And she was definitely playing a big part at this time in the comics, there was a very controversial comic where Wonder Woman had actually killed Maxwell Lord, and it was one of my favourite moments of ever going to a convention here in Australia, uh, where there was a big debate going on at the time on whether Wonder Woman should have killed or not, if it's in her nature and we had Peter David out, and he had his mic, and he was starting to go on uh, a bit of a filibuster, <laughs> for lack of a better word, about how Wonder Woman never kills, she shouldn't do it, it's completely out of character, uh, how dare they do this. And there was another guy on stage with him with a mic, and he leans in and said, uh, Peter, that was me that wrote that story. And that was Greg Rucker, the man who had actually written the Wonder Woman story, uh, and he's now one of the most famous uh, Wonder Woman writers, and is still writing her as recent. He's about to drop off the book again, but uh, definitely has a long-respected run with the character. And uh, the two of them proceeded to get in this great argument about Wonder Woman and what she means uh, as a character. And both had really compelling arguments and it was one of the greatest comic discussions I'd ever seen by two legends uh, in the industry from opposing views, but both views they felt they were right. So uh, despite where you stand on that story, uh, I personally like it. I, I think it's great for talking about the character and what she actually means as a character and she's probably been never more spoken about in modern times up until this recent movie than at that point. So uh, this character is very much captures an important time in Diana's life uh, in uh, the comics there. Now, you had a lot of uh, Wonder Woman coming out and hitting it this time too. There was another reactivated figure this time. It was a re-release of the Super Friends. You had some mini-mates coming out where she was included uh, with Ares uh, and another sort of battle-damaged one uh, coming out there with Cheetah. You had more uh, uh, Worlds releases. There was a Red Sun box set you had a Trinity, which was based on uh, the artwork. Oh, I'm blanking. Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I honestly didn't have a note because I never thought I would uh, blank on his name. Matt Wagner. Matt Wagner. Uh, <laughs> it's based on the artwork of Matt Wagner, which scared me then because he's such a <laughs> great, important artist in comics um, and writer too. Uh, but he did a book called Trinity. This isn't the later weekly series uh, that's probably more famous. This was based on a story that was meant to be the original meeting of... Diana, Superman, and Batman, and it's it's fairly good. It's not the greatest story, but I, it's worth checking out if you can find the trade uh, for cheap. But uh, some really nice design figures. Probably my favourite Ra's al Ghul figure uh, was there in that line. Uh, now, what else did we have hitting at this time? Of course, uh, so we had 
Uh, DC Universe Classics kicking off over at Mattel. So I've been talking about DC Direct for a while now. Uh, Mattel were starting to do these highly articulated figures, kind of their versions of Marvel Legends, which was funny because Marvel Legends was dying on the shelves at the time and disappearing. took a while for Diana to make appearance. You had some weird offshoots lines like Batman and superheroes kicking off um, a few years beforehand, which went into... DC Universe Classics, which uh, had some obscure characters kicking off in the beginning, like Orion and Etrigan. And then you got very Batman and Green Lantern heavy with the other two waves. We even had uh, Flash and Aquaman in there. Uh, Diana didn't appear till the fourth wave, but they did at least kick her off with her one of her arch enemies anyway, uh, Ares, which is a fantastic figure. That Ares figure is great uh but a really cool wonder woman for the time i'm gonna put that little asterisk there i actually really like the figure um she is nice it was great having an articulated wonder woman figure and i'm pretty sure she was actually my first wonder woman uh figure that i had picked up uh but i did really like her now she does have the complaints that the early female bucks of the DC Universe Classics have. The arms are very feeble and that there can be issues uh, in posing and standing her up. Uh, the lasso is very much locked onto her belt. You can't really use or move that too much, but uh, it is a very good figure for the time and I still have a lot of fond memories and do like it. So I definitely recommend that as being in sort of the top five of Wonder Woman figures, but uh, there will be some people that disagree with me there on that one. Uh, now you also had Mattel just a few years later trying to kick off a new line of figures uh, that were really were a cost-saving measure for Mattel. There's there's no two ways about that. They were really tiny, they were about two inches tall, and that was their Infinite Heroes. And Wonder Woman was included on that, and this was a bit of a return to that old Mego style, where not really well painted, done or articulated, and really they became peg warmers uh, quite easy there uh but we did have some cool designs of wonder woman popping up again over at dc direct where we had another big story kicking off in 2010 that was blackest night now this was a green lantern event which involved a whole bunch of characters coming back from the dead and new lanterns uh, of the color rainbow variety popping up all around uh so to begin with you had a black lantern wonder woman figure now you might remember that wonder woman wasn't dead at the time of blackest night but what happened was the black rings managed to attach themselves to characters who had died and come back at one point uh so it did attach to diana and she became sort of a pale uh, black and white version of herself and that's what this figure is based off later on though she also received a star sapphire ring and became a star sapphire uh, version of wonder woman that is a bit of a skimpier design than even wonder woman's used to uh, but is an interesting design figure now 
They did this one both at DC uh, Direct and over in the DC Universe Classics at Mattel. I guess uh, they preferred the skimpier version to the pale version, but uh, it is an interesting figure, and it's not my favourite design, but it is at least good on your Wonder Woman shelves for breaking it up and a bit of a palette cleanser there in designs. Uh, DC went sort of from that story into another big story, which is Flashpoint, before kicking off a whole new universe. And in Flashpoint, there was a war going on between Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Now, Wonder Woman's design was very much kind of her classic look for the most part, there was a bit more red through it, but she did put on a full uh, armor set towards the end, and that's what uh, the DC Direct Flashpoint uh, figure is based off. Of. So it's almost a medieval knight-style design to Wonder Woman there. And then coming out of that, we hit the new 52, which is kind of a crazy uh, era there for Wonder Woman. So you had uh, a whole bunch of new designs uh, coming out uh, based on uh, Jim Lee artwork. And Wonder Woman seemed to have lost her gold and became more of a silver jewellery kind of person. So it was more red, blue and silver on her design. Now, her book was actually one of the more favourably received. Uh, You had Brian Azzarello on it, Cliff Chang on artwork. And because she doesn't have that weird collar look that a lot of uh, the male DC characters were getting in the basis for a lot of complaints, uh, her look's not overly picked on. And I... Look, I'm always going to be more the apologist of the crew here. Um, I don't really mind uh, the new 52 look of Wonder Woman. I think there are far worse designs out there uh, from the new 52. I mean, look at Reverse Flash. That that still uh, hurts me a uh, fair bit. So I I, I think uh, Wonder Woman was more on the better ends. And you got to remember, this is also coming out of a time period where uh, they just give Wonder Woman this full uh, pants-suited look uh, over in the J. Michael Straczynski run before coming out of it here, and that look didn't even get a uh, figure that was uh, a widely <laughs> disliked uh, look and run. But once again, like the killing thing, stirred up a lot of debate on uh, <laughs> Diana and who she is, and there's a lot of talk about whether or not she should wear pants, which I obviously think she definitely has the right to wear pants. If she wants to wear pants, uh, no one's going to stop her. But uh, just the actual leather motorbike uh, suit sort of design to the character, uh, I didn't really (laughs) care for it. Uh, Just became known as the uh, pants look, which took the conversation in a whole bunch of weird areas. Uh, So we had a whole bunch of that... Uh, new 52 stuff coming out. There was a more classic design done, uh, but it was being worn by Alfred E. Newman over in the Mad Magazine line. Uh, hitting there. You also had the first Injustice game uh, coming out, and DC were trying to do these three and three quarter inch figures at the time, so there was a main 
universe wave that was basically just Green Lantern figures that for some reason they're only releasing at cons. And guess what? They didn't do so well because unless you'll go on every con, you really weren't collecting the set. But they were releasing the Injustice figures at main retail uh, like this. And they seem to get through most of them, so I could never quite work out because they seem to peg sit here. But they kept releasing them, so I'd have no idea if this line was really successful or not in the end. Uh, but they did get them out, and they were paired up because it is a fighting game. And Wonder Woman comes with a weird choice of villain, but uh, I guess they had to pair her with someone, and that was uh, Solomon Grundy, who seems to be very much based on his Arkham Knight uh, appearance there. So I haven't played the first Injustice game. I don't know if that was his look, but uh, uh, it's very much uh, reminiscent uh, of that style down there. Now, you also had uh, Mattel getting on in on the new... Uh, 52 look uh, their DC Classics had become DC Unlimited at the time uh, and we got that silver look it was uh, a few new buck pieces in there and she had the sword with the attachment on the back of uh, her sculpt there which was really fantastic but uh, there was something about the way they applied the makeup paint to her face that I just didn't really uh, dig there too much it just didn't sit quite right. It looked more like someone cosplaying as Wonder Woman than Wonder Woman coming through there herself. Now, uh, one figure that I particularly want to point out here, and also its place in uh, Action Figure Blues history, is we have the Earth 2 Wonder Woman, based on the comic that was coming out at the time, Earth 2, uh, that was drawn by Nicola Scott. Uh, So, Nicola Scott is a fantastic Australian artist, uh, a very big key player in uh, the history of Wonder Woman art, and she also has a weird interesting history uh, with Wonder Woman too. She auditioned for the role at one point, and she even just posted a picture uh, recently of her uh, in her younger days uh, in the outfit, but uh, a very important Australian creator, a very important Wonder Woman creator, and a friend of the show. She has been a guest on here uh, actually talking about these Earth 2 figures. So uh, definitely dive back into the archives and dig that one up. But uh, there was a Wonder Woman done for that line there too. You had Funko uh, kicking off and doing their releases at this time. So, of course, Wonder Woman got seen there because I think everything's had a Funko Pop at this point. I think it's illegal not to be an IP and have a Funko Pop property uh, by now. Uh, You also had, uh, in the dying days of Maddie Collector, they were trying to hit on superpowers again, so we got a much more uh, superpowers accurate on that classic uh, blue and yellow card that I talked about at the beginning 
of the episode. And of course, around this time now, we're catching right up to modern day, Batman vs. Superman. Now, Batman vs. Superman, where's Wonder Woman? Well, she was in the film too, people. You should have seen it. Pretty much the rest of the world did, uh, despite our the critics' warnings. Uh, we, we, we did put our bums in those seats and we did watch it. And if you were like me, uh, one of your favourite things in that film was Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Uh, so you picked up the basic figure, you picked up the DC Classics Universe uh, figure of her with the sword and the shield uh, that is highly articulated, but for some reason doesn't look as good as the... <laughs> basic uh, articulated one I still think that that one has a much better facial likeness than the higher end uh, collector Mattel figure uh, on that one there Uh, but she was getting some much much needed uh, merchandise love and turning up at retail there which it had been a very long time uh, since I'd seen her You also had, coming out that year, a a toy line from Mattel uh, called DC Superhero Girls, uh, which is kind of about a high school where a whole bunch of girls... It's basically Monster High or uh, Happily Ever After High, but with uh, superheroes. Uh, And from all accounts, I haven't watched uh, any of the cartoon that, but I've heard generally positive things. I actually picked up... The uh, full set of the basic figures. Uh, it was about a year ago now they came out. It's making time flies. Uh, and there is a Wonder Woman in that. She's sort of got a slightly different uh, look to her. It's more of a unitard piece. And she has kind of this purple hair, but I guess it's meant to be a younger design uh, Wonder Woman. And it does work there. She comes with her classic lasso. Uh, now, we haven't talked about uh, DC Direct or DC Collectibles as they became at one point. Over there, you have the uh, Icons line really sort of kicking off and starting up there. So, me and Scotty, of course, reviewed uh, the recent Wonder Woman figure that was based on a New 52 look, and we had some issues with that one, if you haven't listened to that episode. She's got a lot of loose pieces on her that just didn't really work for us. But I have uh, recently picked up the Justice League 7 box set, which includes uh, character designs from Rebirth, including the one that I was most after, the Liam Sharp Wonder Woman design based on the Greg Rucker written book. And oh, it's a beautiful figure. I really do like it. It does borrow a lot from that original icons figure uh but without a lot of the issues for me so i do really dig uh her i don't want to say too much because me and scotty will uh sit down at one point and probably go through that box set with you uh but uh for me it was worth the cover price uh getting those rebirth designs of the main trinity so very happy uh with that figure and of course 
Of course, how can we not end this episode uh, so close to the release of the Wonder Woman movie and not talk about uh, the Wonder Woman merchandise that is hitting stands at the moment. So, of course, it's Mattel. You've got a Wonder Woman Barbie out there. I noticed her in piles all over the place today when I was out at a shopping centre. Uh, There were ends and ends of the Barbie Wonder Woman. Uh, But we also got the DC Multiverse 6-inch Wonder Woman figures here uh, fairly early in Australia. We had them pop up at Zing stores at a fairly reasonable price. Now, for those of you not in Australia, say the average price for a 6-inch collectible figure here, uh, I'd say these days, is $35. Uh, But it can be higher that, uh, depending on sort of the collector nature, they can be upwards of 50 uh, but these came in at a price of $25 which was very nice so I did go on last episode about I do have a bit of a soft spot for Mattel and there's something about their plastic that uh, gives me a bit of a weakness so take it with a grain of salt when I say I actually do think these Wonder Woman figures are an improvement over the Suicide Squad and Batman vs Superman that we saw last year. The likenesses, uh, from what I can tell, appear to be much better. You get a much better (laughs) builder figure than the grappling gun of the BVS wave uh, in Ares. Now, uh, Ares hasn't been shown anywhere else other than this builder figure, so... Uh, don't go looking for images unless you want to be spoilt uh, before going in uh, to the movie. Uh, But a, a fairly good... Good line there. So you get a... There is a basic Wonder Woman, but she's actually an exclusive. I believe it's going to be a Toys R Us uh, exclusive uh, that's just in her regular outfit, which is kind of weird. But uh, it is very much the same figure that we had last year in the Batman vs Superman line, just with a new head sculpt, thankfully. Uh, But in the main line of Wonder Woman, you have Wonder Woman with the fur coat that she's wearing uh, at least in that photo in Batman vs Superman, and it looks like she's going to be wearing it in the movie itself. We're going to see the origins of that photo. You also get a training uh, Diana, which is her in sort of a more golden beige outfit. You get her mother, Hippolyta, for the first time. And you also get a Steve Trevor figure, which is kind of nice to actually get a Steve Trevor figure for once. Uh, I feel like, that. no, that's that's all of them in there. Of course, that's the Builder figure Ares, but I might avoid uh, talking with him. Now, at some point, I'm also reeling, realizing on my notes, I have actually skipped a major, major uh, piece of Wonder Woman action figure history, and you're probably screaming down your uh, <laughs> headphones uh, at me, and I do apologize. Uh, for those of you wondering what I have skipped, uh, because it blended in in my notes that are just covered with the word Wonder Woman uh, so many times, is that in 2007, there was a whole wave at DC Direct dedicated to, uh, I believe it was the Alan Heinberg, the guy behind Grey's Anatomy, uh, run on Wonder Woman. Uh, So this was basically her first uh, toy line completely to herself, not shared as part of Justice League or Superpowers, all that. This was uh, her stepping up 
and having her own line, and it was about uh, bloody time even then in 2007. I mean, she's only just getting her second line uh, here today, so come on, guys, let's <laughs> let's show uh, more support here. Uh, so included in this first line is, of course, your classic uh, Wonder Woman figure, now, there was also a, another more armoured design, uh, which you may think is Diana, but it is actually Donna Troy who was running around in that mantle of Wonder Woman at the time. A really cool figure that I like, though, is Agent Diana Prince. Uh, now, she was basically, quote-unquote, an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and wasn't shield at the time but she was uh working intelligence and wearing this white jumpsuit that was actually an homage to a era of the character in the late 60s early 70s where they actually depowered wonder woman and made her a uh, super spy it was done by denny o'neill and like a lot of the big events in wonder woman's history it's kind of controversial uh you had some people and at least this is Denny O'Neill's uh, argument at the time. He has since changed his position in more recent interviews, but he was saying, I, I thought it was empowering that we took away her superpowers and uh, showed her uh, to, you know, still be able to kick butt and manage the situation. Uh, in more recent interviews, you hear Denny O'Neill uh, talk about it being like, okay, I can see where there was issue now in us taking this great female character. She just appeared on the first issue of uh, Ms. Magazine by Gloria Steinem, and here we were depowering her uh, in front of the world. So uh, I I, I just kind of want to leave it there with the quotes from uh, the actual creator uh, of the story. And he actually sums up both sides of it uh, there. So it's uh, definitely an interesting era. And she was running around in a white jumpsuit. So I've gone on a, a weird tangent here. Uh, but that's what this figure and that design uh, is uh, hitting through there. And all these designs are based on Terry Dodson artwork. Uh, and even though it's not one woman, you do also get Cersei, which is one of the main members of her rogues gallery, getting her, uh, I believe, only uh, figure appearance to this date, which is a bit of a shame, because as much as we don't see Wonder Woman on the shelves uh, with Batman and Superman, what's even more lacking is her villains. And I want a... Uh, Eggman Chu guy. Let's get him. Uh, Egg Fu. Let's get him out there. We haven't. He'd, he'd be a good builder figure, I think. Chuck him uh, through there. Or uh, Dr. Poison Psycho. There, there's a whole bunch of them there that we can uh, jump on and use. And just for one little tidbit that I'm going to add in here is that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there was a dark period in the 90s where you weren't seeing a lot of Wonder Woman figures produced. Uh, but there was a plan to do a whole line of Wonder Woman figures like we eventually got in 2007. Uh, and that was Wonder Woman and the Star Rider. So it was basically uh, She-Ra, Princess of Power, Wonder Woman figures. Like there was even the reuse of uh, the cat pucks, <laughs> like Claudine, uh, for 
these Wonder Woman figures, pink castles, and a whole bunch of realistic hair, sparkly dress type uh, outfits. Like, if you look at these figures uh, in their concept designs, you would not be blamed for mistaking them for Princess of Power uh, toys. So I do recommend you going out there and uh, Googling Wonder Woman Star Riders. Now, there was actually a comic book made. Uh, It was a promotional uh, piece that was included in cinnamon buns uh, that you could get. Now, uh, there were some made-up characters, but it did have some, uh, at the time, more obscure characters for DC to be using here. So you had Wonder Woman, uh, you had Ice, and you had Dolphin in here, as well as a, uh, a few other ones uh, I believe just made up for the toy line uh, there but uh, definitely an interesting piece there they seem to get fairly far along in production you can see pretty much full figures uh, here in the images but uh, never did uh, come to fruition so uh, a weird little piece and be interesting to think how Wonder Woman might be different today if that toy line came out and was successful and here we are for a quick episode I was rushing to get out uh, we are closing in on the hour mark and my uh, laptop is about to die it's a 10% battery and dropping fast so I am going to wrap that up right here guys uh, so don't forget to uh, send us in your feedback podcast at actionfigureblues.com what's your favourite Wonder Woman toy memory what what is it that uh, grabs you what was your first Wonder Woman toy this this is one that kind of grabs me that we hear so often that boys don't pick up girl figures and to be honest for me I generally didn't as a kid I I will admit that when that Justice League animated line was coming out I didn't pick up Hawkgirl uh, or Wonder Woman Uh, I didn't always I there were some lines where I did pick up the female figure I went crazy looking for Heather Graham in the uh, Lost in Space action figure line Uh, but the character really had to stand out for me to be grabbing it or I it had to be the one I needed to complete the set and uh, for whatever reason I was really going to complete the set which is a bit of a shame I do regret that and obviously I'm a completely different adult person now uh, but I do find it uh, interesting to find out uh, when people kind of got their first Wonder Woman figure were you like me ashamedly a much older man uh, when you finally started buying uh, Wonder Woman figures or were you there as a six year old much more work uh, playing with your Wonder Woman uh, in that superpowers uh, Batman um, Batmobile uh, driving around there so definitely drop us a line and let us know so thank you so much guys thank you for joining thank you for putting up with me as a solo voice I hope you have a wonderful week be safe and as always good journey the Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. 
We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, the Pop Culture Superstore, Bam Kapow, and Davy Boy's Toys. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening.